Father God, above all that we are, above all the things that we have, above our reputation, above our material things, above all of our dreams, above all that we know, there is only one who took the fall for us. There is only one who was crucified for us. There is only one who lived to die for us. There is only one who lived a perfect life and died a death that we all should die. And that is Jesus. And that is Jesus. He is the one. He is the one. Father God, I pray that that, that, that as the word is preached that, that your spirit would take it to our hearts and speak to our hearts and speak it into our life without the spirit preaching is nothing spirit gives it power the spirit makes it effective in our life so spirit we call upon you to glorify the father and to glorify the son through his word Christ in my prayer You all doing well this morning? All right. Um, this Wednesday morning, this past Wednesday, I I woke up with a a cramp in my uh, calf muscle, and I used to get those all the time when I played football um, in high school. And you know the look you get when you catch a cramp. You know you're like, oh, oh no, because it hurts. And, and and I don't care what you're doing. If you ever get a muscle cramp, you stop. It stops you. It calls for your attention. It can bring you to your knees. All you want is relief from the cramp. <laughs> and that's what I wanted on Wednesday. So my lovely wife, you know, she rushed to my side. And she massaged my calf muscle. And the cramp eventually went away. You see, many of us, including myself, we have muscle cramps in our relationship with Jesus, in our Christian life. You, so you need someone or something to come in and to massage those cramps out, to massage out the cramps in your life that take your attention away from Jesus, because they do. And so, John, this morning, He's going to do that for us. And the thing about a cramp is that even when it goes away, you still feel the soreness of it. So you may be a little sore when you leave this morning, but it'll be good. It'll be good for you. So if you have your Bibles, open to 1 John chapter 2, beginning in verse 15. Do not love the world. Or the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The man who, who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, pride and possessions, is not from the Father, but is from the world. The world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, last week we, we talked about keeping the gospel in its proper context. And that is loving God and loving our neighbor. And that's positive. 
That's who we should love. God and our neighbor. But here John goes in the opposite direction. He deals with a negative. He tells us what we should not love. He commands us not to love this something. This something is the reason you have muscle cramps in your life. Because you love it so much. And it gives you muscle cramps. It means you muscle cramps in your walk with Christ. What shouldn't we love? Do not love the world. Or the things in the world. If you love the world, the love of the Father is not in you. John is saying that since your sins are forgiven, since you are a believer, since you have overcome the evil one, since you know the Father, since you have the Word in you, since you are part of God's family, then you have no need to love the world if you're part of God's family. Other things in the world. You see, what John meant for positive last week, keeping God's Word, you know, evidence, keeping God's Word is evidence that we love God. Loving your neighbor is evidence that you love God. But here in verses 15 and 16, not loving the world is evidence that you don't love God. You see, either you're going to love Him or you're going to love something else. You can't love Him and everything else. He wants all your affection. He wants all your attention. And so John is saying, do not walk according to the world. Do not keep the world's values, the ways of the world. You are not to let the world shape you. You should not let the world guide you. Because if you do, it means you love it. And the love of the Father is not in you. So what is the world? What is it? Is John saying you should just utterly reject the world? Just isolate yourself from it. Go get in your own Christian huddle. Build up your little wall. And keep everybody out. And keep the world out. Is that what he's saying? No. He's not saying that. And we know that can't be true. Because in the gospel he says God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him. Shall have everlasting life. And we know that God is the creator of his world. And the earth belongs to him. And it is good. One pastor, his name is Tim Keller, he says, Good relationships, laughter, beauty, music, work, good food, and drink are all gifts from God meant for our pleasure and our enjoyment. You see, God wants us to enjoy his creation without worshiping it. And there's a difference. And remember, I've said this before, I always say this, you've got to have balance in your understanding of this. You've got to have balance in your understanding of a lot of things. And here's what I mean. When the Bible talks about the world, it talks about it positively and it talks about it negatively. The positive is the stuff I just said. But here in 1 John, chapter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, is negative. It's a negative. It's God, it's us, it's the world systems that are in opposition to God. Think about it. You watch the news, you know the culture we live in. It's the world, the ideals and policies that set themselves up against our God and His kingdom. It ignores God. It rebels against God. It don't even acknowledge God. It wants to be independent of God. 
worldly. It's what it means to be worldly. And we are not to love the world and things in the world that goes against God's standards, that goes against God's word, goes against God's kingdom. You have to treat them like a plague and run from them. Run from them. Run, Forrest, run. Because if you don't run from them, you're going to end up loving them. And then you're going to have muscle cramps throughout the rest of your life. The world, it, it dims the light in you. you got to know that. It dims your light. And some of our lights are dim. We're no, no different than our neighbors who don't know Jesus. Because we value the same stuff. We have a dim light. When Waikita and I first um, we got married, you know, we had two favorite shows that we watched every night. You know, it was King of Queens and Everyone Loves Raymond. And in this one episode, um, Raymond's brother, he was having money problems. You know, he couldn't he didn't have any money to pay his bills. And, and so he had that look on his face. So Ray and Deborah decided to give Robert $1,000 to help out with his bills. But instead of paying for his bills, Robert, he books a trip to Vegas <laughs> with $1,000. And so Ray gets upset. He, go, he confronts Robert. He said, I thought you didn't have money to pay your bills. How can you afford to go to Vegas? He said, well, I couldn't until you gave me $1,000. <laughs> and that's how we do with God. We use God's gifts in ways he didn't intend for them to be used. And then we get mad with him when he calls us out on it. You see that? That's worldliness. And worldliness is in our heart now. It's not in stuff. It's here. Our affections, our attitudes, our love. It deals here. All that is in the world. What, is all the, what, what's, what are those things that are in the world? What are they? Verse 16. The desires of the flesh... They are desires of our eyes, pride and possessions. They are not from the Father, but from the world. Now, desires of the eyes and flesh. See, don't make the mistake. Again, you've got to have balance. Because you can't say all of our desires are evil. You can't say all of our desires are worldly. You can't say they have to have balance. You see, the desire to, to have a good marriage to have intimacy, to have love, to have shelter, to have food and good health, to earn a decent living, the desire to, for your kids to have a good well-being. There's nothing evil about that. That's good. The desire to have a better life for you and your family. It's not bad. And neither is the, neither is the desire or dream to, to have a nice home or a better paying job. Any of the, those things are not evil in and of themselves. The problem is is when you become when you are mastered by them, when they control you, then it turns into lust. Then it turns into a craving. Because you gotta have it. You gotta have it now. Your life's gonna fall apart if you don't get this thing. And that's lust. That's the difference. Your desires end up controlling you. And it's called and lust as one pastor says it's the, it's the abuse of something that is naturally and perfectly right and legitimate. You abuse it. It's, it's us perverting God's gifts for our own benefit and our own intentions. Using them again in ways he didn't intend for them to be used. 
lust. First we have what? Lust of the flesh. Cravings of the flesh. And it is what you think it is. It's given into all and more passions and of your simple nature. In the many forms that it takes. You watch the news. You read the newspaper. You know what I'm talking about. I don't have to list all that stuff off. You know what it is. You know, we can, you can use food to live a gluttonous life. You can use your body for things that are not honoring to God. You can use your money, your job, your position of authority to abuse and oppress other people for your own greed and for your own benefit. Lust of the flesh. Living a lifestyle dominated by untamed pleasure. It's just all pleasure. It's self gratification. Endless self gratification. Instant self gratification. And the culture that we live in, we live in a quick service culture. And we know this. As Americans, we want it now. We don't want it five minutes later or ten minutes later. We want it now. That's the culture we live in because we deserve it. We're Americans for crying out loud. We don't have to wait. That's worldly. And it's not from the Father. It's not from the Father. Second, lust of the eyes. What is that? That is to covet and envy what other people have. It's you trying to keep up with those Joneses, man. Keeping up with those Joneses. With material stuff. Money, house, cars, and food. Whatever. Even in the church, we have that attitude. Keeping up with the Joneses spiritually. Trying to look like someone else. And all of us struggle with this. Every person, every culture, I don't care if you're rich or poor, you struggle with materialism. You struggle. What about you? Do you struggle with that? Are you battling that right now? If you're not, I I guess you're better than me. Another thing we do is that you try to keep up with the Joneses in social status as well. Status on the job. Status in the community. Your status as a parent. Status as a pastor. You know, it's the way the world views our kids. All of that status. And all of these things of a lust of our eyes. And as Proverbs 27 says, the eyes of a man are never satisfied. Never satisfied. You won't ever satisfy that lust. You will always want more stuff. You're going to always want more status. The lust of your eyes will keep you in a never-ending cycle of being the Joneses, trying to keep up with the Joneses. Back to being the Joneses, then back to trying to keep up with the Joneses. I mean, honestly, your life really becomes like the old Spice Man commercial. Look at the Joneses. Look at you. Look at you. Now back to the Joneses. You go back and forth. You mean you should have a cramp in your neck for all the turning. Stop it. Are you tired? Are you tired? Of the cycle? Are you? And the reality is that the Joneses, they're going to keep moving up. <laughs> they're going to keep moving up. And you're going to keep trying to keep up with them. You're going to continue to try to keep up with them. Because the reality is this. Throughout your life, you're going to always meet people who got more stuff than you, who have more status than you. That's the nature of life. And if you live by the lust of your, lust of your eyes, you're going to continue to try to keep up with them. You're going to always meet people who have more. And, and, here, and the thing is, is that if you could be the fly on the wall 
in the house of the people you try to be like, you would know something about them. See, we all have the Joneses in our life. We all have people in our life like, man, they got it together. I wish my life looked like that. I wish my house looked like that. I wish my car looked like that. I wish my kids behaved like that. I wish my husband was like that. We all have them. We all have them. And if you were a, if you were a fly on the wall in their house, you know what you would see? Is that your Joneses have Joneses that they're trying to be like too. <laughs> that they ain't even satisfied with their life. But yet you want to be like them. And so what you see is that you go from dissatisfaction to dissatisfaction is what you're doing. Because your eyes will never be satisfied with stuff. It won't be. Only God can satisfy you that way. Not status, not material possessions. You've got to learn to be content with what you have and thankful for what you have. You see, God has called us to better things than living for materialism and social status as God's people. We're called to be better things, called to live for greater things than that. Now, the final thing is pride and possessions. This is a boasting of what you have and do. It's self-glorification, self-righteousness. And as Lord Jones says, it's, it's, it's ambition and it includes contempt for others. Look down on others as well. See, a pride of life means you, 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 you have pride in yourself at the expense of other people. It's like the tax collecting Pharisee all over again. I thank you, God, that I'm not like this tax collector. I have my life together. I'm better than him. And I preached on that a few weeks ago. You see, it's, it's idol worship of what you have in your life. It, it creates an attitude of, of privilege and entitlement because you, have, you, have, you work hard. You went to school. You have the right last name. So you deserve certain things, certain rights, certain things you can enjoy because of who you are. And so what you do is that we, we, we wrap our arms around our stuff like this. You know, you know, it's like a kid in the candy store. And, you know, we don't want anyone to have our goodies because it's my house. It's my money. It's my car. It's my business. It's my church. It's my ministry. It's my culture. It's my government. It's my company. My, 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 my. It's all about you. And as I said a few weeks ago, that's false pride. False pride in what you have. And what happens is that your identity falls into those things. Who you are is what you have and what you do. Not who you are in Christ. And along with that, you have a sense of superiority over other people. Because I'm the man. And you could be the man if you're more like me. Pride and possessions. That is worldliness. And the danger of that in our culture is that it's very subtle. It's very subtle. You can't always see it. You can't always notice it. You see, our culture is a perfect storm for believers to ride the highway of a worldly life. It is. It makes it easy for us to be this because of all the freedoms that we have. And a lot of us live life not ever thinking about that because God wants me to have a good life, right? Where I get all that I want. I've enjoyed reading through a commentary by F.F. F. Bruce on First John and he, he was a professor at the University of Manchester in England. 
And I've gotten a lot of good insights uh, from that commentary. And he writes this. He says, It used to be said by insightful foreign observers that Christians in this country had a difficulty in distinguishing the interests of the kingdom of God from the interests of the British Empire. You see what he's saying there? What about Christians in America? Is it difficult for us to distinguish the interests of the kingdom from the interests of the United States of America? And Christians in America, can we do that? Can you do that? Can I do that? If we can't do that, then we're guilty of worldliness. And the point he makes here is that in some cultures, the Christians in that culture confuse the gospel with politics, social stuff, and political economics agendas. We confuse them, we confuse them together. And a Christianity in America is guilty of that. And the two things we do it the most in is race and politics. We have a conflict of loyalties. Either it's going to be the interests of God's kingdom or is it going to be the interests of something else? Whose interests are you protecting in your life right now? Is it the, God, is the kingdom or is it something else? How does it, how, how, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. When I worked at Chick-fil-A in Greenville, South Carolina, I worked with a guy who was, he was hardcore conservative, man. So we used to have interesting conversations in the back kitchen uh, making chicken biscuits. And so, <laughs> you know, he, he, used to, he said one day to me, he said, you know what, Alex? Alex, man, man, I don't really see how, how you can be a Christian and a Democrat. I don't know how you can be that. I don't think you can be that. And I was like, I guess, man, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess. It, it made sense to him. He couldn't understand how you could be both. On the other side, last week I was reading an article on the internet. Um, and after I read articles on the internet, I like to read the comments of what, what people leave. And I came across one that was pretty bad. And listen to what this guy says. He says, if you vote Republican, you receive the mark of the beast upon your hand, upon your forehead, and you secure a place for you among the damned. <laughs> Repent while you can, you Republicans, you white-wingers, and escape the clutches of the beast. Now, what's wrong with both of those things? What, what, what are those two people guilty of? They have confused the gospel with some other agenda. And when you do that, that's worldly. The gospel stands alone. They don't need to be, you don't piggyback on anything else. Not, it doesn't hang on to any other coat. And if you are a Christian and you do this, then you're guilty of worldliness. I don't care how conservative you are. I don't care how much you love the poor. The gospel stands alone. And when you do this, when you do this, you know what you're doing to your faith? You pimp out your own faith for something else. You're pimping it out. And it's beneath you to do that. And if you're upset about that, Go do business with Jesus. It's in the Word. <laughs> you see, we are called not to confuse the gospel with anything else. And America's guilty of that. And if you can't see it, if you can't see it, then you need to go ask the Spirit to help you to see it. How do we get to a place where we can fight against these things? These three things. How can we get there? See, we have to get to a place where we can actually be what Jesus says. Being in the world, but not of the world. That's where we have to be as believers. 
If you're not there, then you're worldly. In the world, but not of the world. And the first thing is you've got to be filled with the love of the Father. I don't know if you catch what John does here, but I love it. Verse 15, the second part of verse 15 says, The love of the Father is not in him. It's not in the person who loves the world. And that's the consequence of loving the world. And I ask myself, is this love for God? Is that, is that God love for me or my love for God? I think it's both. Because if you're not being filled with the love of God, you're not going to love him in return. That's how it works. When I read earlier in this chapter, this is the first time John uses love of the Father. In the beginning of the chapter, he used love of God. And I asked myself, why, why did that? What is he hinting at? And I believe he's wanting us to see this. If you are not growing in your understanding of what it means for God to be your father, then you're going to be worldly. You're going to be worldly. Why? What does a father do? A father provides for his kids. A father protects his kids. The father gives good gifts to his kids. And God is our father. It's a personal father who is involved in our life. He gives us what? Our daily bread. And if you are loving the world, what you are actually doing is you wanting the world to be your substitute dad. To give to you the things that only your father can give to you. It's your our father. And it's not the real father. The our father gives you everything you want. But the true father always gives you what you need. You need to understand that about God. That's why John says all that is from the world is not from the father. Because all that is in the world deals with everything we want. Holly deals with everything we need. But we know from the Father. We always give his people what they need. Are you growing in your understanding of who God is as your Father? You got to. That helps fight against the things that's in the world. The second thing is learning to do the will of God. We see in verse... 17, it says, The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. In this context, what does it mean to do the will of God? It means you are learning to bring everything in the world under the microscope of God's word. You don't take nothing in without checking it here first. You take whatever you hear in the news, whatever you hear from some political agenda, from whatever you hear from anybody, and you bring it under the microscope of God's word. Because if you don't, you're going to end up being shaped by that same stuff. And when you bring it under the microscope of God's word, you really see that the world is passing away. That it ain't going to fill you. It ain't going to satisfy you. It ain't going to make you more happier. It ain't going to make you have more purpose in life. Because you can always want more. Because those things cannot be Jesus to you. They cannot be your God. And, and, and what, what we actually have to do is what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Look carefully how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of your time. Because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand the will of God. You can't do that if you never, ever come to this. If you never ever let this shape everything about your life, this is how you do it. The word has to be a lamp unto your feet, a light unto your path. That's what it has to do. And the dangers of our culture.
culture is that it sh- it shapes our views of things. It tries to shape our worldview. That's the dangers of it. And that's the dangers of it. And you have to fight against that. You have to think about that stuff. Everybody has an agenda. Every news station has an agenda. And you have to be mindful of that because they're trying to shape you. Because if they shape your view of life, they shape everything about you. You got to fight against that with God's Word. And here's an example. I got this in the mail, April the 9th, from Title Max. Listen to this. Listen to the church now. To whom it may concern, spring is just around the corner. If you're like all of us, you are ready to get out and enjoy the sunshine and make the most of God's beauty. At Title Max, we enjoy being partners with local churches. One of the things that make our community so special is our attitude of giving back. We know that your youth group and other special groups are having fundraising opportunities for trips and camps and VBS. We want to help you. At our location in Huntsville and South Parkway, we are looking for youth groups and other church groups to set up outside our office for bait sales and sidewalk sales. It will give you a great opportunity to make good sales. Our best days for the customer traffic is Fridays and Mondays. We're open from 9 to 7. Please give us a call to reserve a spot out in front of our store. In addition for providing space for fundraising, as a service to your benevolence committee, let us remind you that we provide loans services to the public. <laughs> who, and they, who do these people prey on? Who do they prey on? You see, any church that partners with this, you are guilty. You are guilty of worldliness. I won't send anybody to this. To pawn the title of a car? How is that helping people? Putting them in 500 interest loan that they can't pay back. This is what I mean. If you can't see the the evil in that, then you are worldly as a believer. You got to be able to look at that and say, that's wrong. You got to be balanced. And, and And that means even in our good culture, you should be able as a believer to see the good things about our society that honor God, you also should be able to see the things in it that doesn't. You should be able to be balanced in your perspective, balanced in your approach of life. That's what I mean. That's what we have to be. And the reality is that we, you're not going to ever get to a place where you're not going to have to fight that. You're going to fight that to the day you die. And you're going to continue to get muscle cramps from the world because that's, the, that's, that's life on this side of heaven. But we have the grace to overcome them because the Spirit lives in us. And for a lot of us, for a lot of us, your soul, your spirit, and, and your heart, you know, it, it needs a day at the spa. That's what it needs because it's tired. It's tired. It needs this. Sometimes you just need to get away, get on the back porch, go sit outside, and just fill your soul with this. So it can be healed from all the stuff that's receiving from the world. You cannot live the Christian life like you can like you need to live it if God's word is not here. It has to be here. You can't just come here on Sunday and just listen to a sermon. But you gotta read it, people. It gotta be in your heart. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you that that you are here to protect your own interests in the interest of your kingdom, not in the interest of any country, any government, or any particular group of people, but you are about your business. And that is advancing your kingdom here and drawing other peoples into your kingdom to bring us to glory.
one day. And Lord, we look forward to that day that when he does return, we can go home. And so I pray for all of us, including myself, that you will help us to see the ways in which we are worldly and blind to it and lead us to repentance. Lord, lead us to that throne where we can repent of our sin and be healed of it. So, Spirit, do your job in our heart. Christ, in my prayer.